Welcome back, everybody. Today's guest on the podcast is Camille Stiles. She's the founder and editor-in-chief of CamilleStiles.com. She has a passion for inspiring others to live a happy and healthy life. And she started blogging back in 2008, I believe she said, and she has created a beautiful, beautiful website and media company. So we talk about living in the present, life transitions, and some life hacks for how you can be more present in your 24 hours. So sit back and listen and enjoy this episode with Camille Stiles. Hi, and welcome to the same 24 hours podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. I'm very excited about our guest today. Camille Stiles is here. Hi, Camille. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. So great to talk to you. So I love, love, love your Instagram and all you've got going on. It's so beautiful. It's so like the colors are so perfect. (laughs) You just got it figured out. So I have been admiring you from afar for a while. So thanks for joining us. Let's start with how did you start blogging? How did you become you and how did you build this, this business out of, out of words? Well, um, I feel really lucky to be able to build a business out of words. That's such a great way of putting it because I've always loved words and I've always just been a passionate reader and love to write. That said, if you had told me when I was in college that I would be a professional blogger, I would have actually said, what's a blog? (laughs) Um, So I graduated from University of Missouri School of Journalism, um, wanting to actually work in the magazine world. And after a short stint in the fashion industry, living in New York for, I only made it about three or four months before I like, <laughs> Did you? Down there. <laughs> oh, funny. Um, but I fell in love it, in that job with the world of event planning, um, which was kind of a something unexpected, but it was an industry that really did bring in a lot of my talents and abilities and my love of creating and visual beauty. So I moved to Austin really kind of on a whim. It's funny. I feel like as I trace back through my life, some of these choices that I made that feel like these kind of random gut instinct types of decisions, like that was the first in a line of them was deciding to move to Austin when I Why? Really- Why Austin? Like that's, that's you know, that I, is random, right? It's random. I mean, I'm from Texas. I'm from Fort okay. Worth. So not totally random. Right. I've, I've lived all over though. I, I grew up in Fort Worth and then my family moved to Missouri and Austin was a place that I had been a few times in my childhood. My parents both went to university of Texas in the seventies and I grew up hearing about the fun days of Austin. And it just seemed like a city that when I went there, it had 
just a laid back vibe, but lots of create like creativity. And I just, when I went, I was like, this is a city that I feel like I could make home. And so I found myself at this point where I could live anywhere I wanted. I didn't have a job. I was single. And so I just took the plunge and moved there and found a job at an event planning company, kind of fell in love with the world of events and launched my own event planning company, Camille Styles Events, when I was 24, wow. which looking back, I'm like, hmm, I was a baby. How did you I- were a baby. Yeah. But started my blog at the same time on the side as a pure creative outlet. I think when I was planning events for clients, I naturally had this desire to also have a place where I could express my own vision, my own likes and dislikes. And I think I also was just looking for an outlet where I could write because that's what I'd gone to school doing. And in event planning, there wasn't really a natural place for that. And I immediately just fell in love with having this place online where I could really just talk about whatever I wanted and be super creative. And I didn't see it as something that was a career option. It was in 2008. So it was in the early days of blogging. Um, But it was also a time when you could be on the internet. And if you were creating content regularly and it was good content, an audience could kind of find you, which... Right. That was when I started my my blog. My Well, I first did a mom blog. I mean, how original, right? Uh, 2007. And then Swim Bike Mom was 2010. And that was, yeah, people could find you. They just go on Facebook and all this, everything you put on Facebook, your, re- your followers would see. <laughs> But you can build this community of commenters. And so, um, so I did that. I loved it. I remember going to my first blogger conference and really kind of, I think, awakening to the fact that this could be a career, um, as I started to build an audience. And I remember, you know, approaching a brand at this blogger conference and selling my first banner ad for like $200 for a month on the site. And, at the time, you know, it seemed like a huge deal. I was like, I could actually make money from this thing that feels like a fun, creative side project. So I think, you know, that was that was 12 years ago. And over the next 12 years, the site has evolved so much. We've built out a team. I have um, a team of, um, well, contributors who are on both coasts, a, a few people in LA and several people in Austin and a couple of writers in New York. Um, and then I have an internal team that ebbs and flows in terms of how big it is, which we can get into. A, a <laughs> but um, but it's that's been just you know such an amazing part of my job is building a team of creative collaborators and getting to work with women writers and photographers who continually inspire me so much. And it's been really interesting to just stay open to how the industry is changing and stay true to what I want to create and our mission of inspiring our audience, but also stay really nimble with changing how we're communicating with our audience and um, the ways in which we're sharing our message as the industry keeps evolving. Yes. And and the challenges of being seen. I mean, what, what is the biggest challenge right now? I mean, obviously, you've built a great base and so people continue to follow you, but what is the biggest challenge with everything changing in technology and and blogs being different than they were 10 years ago? 
You know, I think for me, the biggest challenge and the biggest learning over the last couple of years has been to not feel like I have to crush it on every single platform, Mm. but not be afraid to lean into the channels where I love to communicate and that really light me up to create. So for me, that's the website, CamilleStyles.com, and then it's our email newsletter. Um, those are the two places that I'm really passionate about. I, I love writing a, a bit of a longer form content, and I love being able to um, really just go into a bit more depth with storytelling and share you know, lots of beautiful images and just create more of a like magazine-style kind of journalistic experience, which isn't usually possible on social media. So I think for me, it's been a journey of figuring out what my social channels are used best for and not feeling like I have to use them in a certain way just because another creator or influencer is having success by being on Instagram 24 seven or putting all of their content on Instagram or Facebook. Um, You know, that's not really my goal. My goal is to keep building a meaningful community on the site and with our email. So I think that for any creators, just really honing in on where you love to create, whether that's TikTok or email or YouTube. (laughs) My daughter, TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Or podcasting, but not feeling this pressure to like build a huge audience on every single platform. Because I think that the danger there could be watering yourself down or just not really being super impactful anywhere because you're spreading yourself too thin. Right, right. So what can people expect when they go to your website? Because I know you're probably going to get a bunch of new follows from today. So what, what are people, what are you going to, what are they going to get when they come to, to visit CamilleStyles.com or sign up for your newsletter? Well, my motto is live life like you mean it. So it's really just about living a truly wholehearted life where you're your happiest self, you're your healthiest self. And you're being able to give your best self to the people around you and, you know, waking up every day, just like wanting to dive into life. So that really came about from my own journey of needing to feel like I was living my most purposeful, wholehearted life. Um, Thinking back to a few years ago, you know, I think especially when my kids were really young, I have a now five-year-old and eight-year-old, but when they were babies and... I had a bigger team than I do now. And I think my life was like one big blur of busyness. I felt like I was writing all of this content about living a beautiful, joyful life, but I wasn't feeling very joyful myself because I was busy and I wasn't really feeling like I was able to be present for any of it. So I think the last couple of years have been my own journey towards saying no to the things that are taking up too much of my time and potentially stealing my joy to make room for the things that I really want to be spending my time doing, whether that's spending time with my kids or creating content online that I think is really meaningful. Um, But being able to be fully present and purposeful in that has been my biggest goal. And I think that as I've written more and more about that, I've seen a huge response from my audience and really trying to incorporate that message into all of our different verticals. So we create content around food, entertaining, travel, design, and wellness. And that really covers mental wellness and emotional and physical wellness. 
But across all of those, just really wanting to empower our audience to do them all with a lot of presence and purpose and in a way that brings them joy. So how do you do that? How do you cultivate presence? And, and what is different about you now versus a couple of years? I mean, when you have kids, all bets are off, <laughs> but they do require you to be present most of the time. Um, but what are some of the things that you've shared with your readers or that, you know, some hacks that, that allow you to cultivate this, this goal of having, being more present? I think for me, it's just about being very, very intentional with a lot of different areas. I mean, it starts, I guess, from the moment I wake up and how I spend kind of those first 30 minutes of my day, which for me is I've always loved the morning. And that's always been a time when I get a lot of inspiration for the day ahead. Um, Even I remember back in high school and college, like I would still start the day even then with like a cup of coffee and a book or a journal, but it did get harder as life got busier and especially, you know, when you have babies, that's really hard too, because, you know, a baby doesn't care if you need your quiet time. (laughs) They don't care what time it is. (laughs) No. Um, But it is something that I've really tried to maintain um, in terms of just prioritizing that time of day. I mean, my kids know in the morning, they say like, is it your meditation time, mommy? Which funny enough, like I'm not actually meditating. I've tried meditating through the years and I've kind of adjusted my own habits to some different practices that I feel like are a little bit more conducive to like my own mental state, but I still like let them think I'm meditating so they don't bug <laughs> <Right>. me. <laughs> I pretend right. like I'm in a meditation. Um, for me though, it really, I think it's a form of meditation. I try to, I still have my coffee. Um, it's a non-negotiable, but I incorporate <laughs> a little bit of deep breathing just to kind of center myself and I think it's also just as much about what I'm not doing as what I am doing. So on my worst days, I've already checked email, checked Instagram, read a bunch of news headlines. Like that's when I completely lose focus. And before I know it, I'm like online shopping and <laughs> you know, I'm, it's gone. The morning's gone. Um, right. But at my best self, I hold all of those kind of external stimuli and like try to let the world sort of wait a little bit. Um, have a little bit of distance from that so that I can focus in on how I'm feeling internally. Um, So I'll do a little bit of deep breathing just to center myself. And then I really love to write in the morning. So I'll journal um, or sometimes I actually write my email newsletter, which is usually my most personal kind of long form type of content that um, I share with just our email subscribers. And it's usually about something that's going on in my own life that I really want to kind of examine. So it is like a form of journaling in a way that it's just a form of journaling that I'm then sharing with a lot of people. Um, but I like to write that first thing in the morning because I'm focused and I usually have my best ideas then. So I love starting the day like that because I feel like even if a lot happens after that, that's out of my control, I've at least been able to sort through what's going on for me mentally and even better if I've been able to create some really good work too. Right. Right. I mean, I, the days are made in the morning. They really are. I mean, we, we get up, I know you mentioned you're up super early. We are too. I mean, my daughter goes to CrossFit at six 30. So we're up about five 30 and I mean, just getting up that early and knowing by the time 10 rolls around, you've already done <laughs> five hours of stuff. I mean, it's, it's such a better feeling than waking up 
right before you need to be somewhere or right before you need to do something and having that rushed sense. I mean, I never understood why my mom used to get up at like 4 a.m. <laughs> you know, I'm like, we don't have to go anywhere until 8. Why are you getting up at 4 a.m.? But the older I get, I mean, I have got to have that time to before I do anything. I've got to, you know, journal or meditate and or both. I mean, those are the good days. I read the Daily Stoic. I meditate. I journal. Um, and I get a workout in. Like if I can do those things, I am set up. And, totally. and you're right. You just, the, the day is then what it is. It's nothing has happened to you. You have happened to the day. Exactly. Yeah. It's bringing that extra intention. And yeah. I think with media too, it's, um, I mean, you asked about hacks in terms of living a more present purposeful life. I think being really intentional about the media that we're consuming is yeah. so important because now there are so many different like ways we can be consuming media, you know, so many different platforms we're checking, um, email news, like it's just, we're bombarded and sometimes it can feel a bit like it's out of our control. And I think it's really powerful to realize that it is in your control. Like what, what we're actually consuming, we're making a choice to let that in or not let that in. So, um, for me, that has been a big aha moment of, even realizing that I don't need to check my email every five minutes, you know, because it sort of puts you in a state of just having a constant rush of cortisol coursing through your veins and um, realizing that 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 was a choice that I was making to always be available to my email. And in response, people felt like they could always expect a response back from me. And it kind of becomes this endless cycle. So being intentional about like what you're consuming and when and drawing those boundary lines with technology. I think those are probably the biggest factors in me learning to live a little bit more intentionally over the last couple of years. Yeah. And you mentioned the cortisol with your email. There's also the dopamine hit, you know, there's that research that you, you, you refresh, you get something, it's like a dopamine hit and and then you reply and you send it and it's like this, but it's a hamster wheel, right? (laughs) It just never stops. Social media. I mean, I think, we've all felt that like, you know, po- posting something that got tons of likes and you absolutely get that dopamine hit. But yeah. then when it dies down, you want it again. And it puts you in the craziest state of constantly feeling like you're in this race against yourself to, um, you know, achieve online. And I think for people like, I'm, I think you probably too, from what I know of you is, a constant battle to not feel like you're in constant achievement mode or constant type A mode, which um, I think with the internet, you have to make really conscious decisions to not go there. Right. Right. And, and also doing, you mentioned posting on the platform that, that feeds you and, and, you know, you're, we're trying to provide content for an audience, but I remember just feeling because I've been blogging for, I don't even blog anymore, but for, I guess, 12 years. And, the pressure that I felt to share my personal life was great. It was, and at some point I was like, I'm, I really don't want to share my personal life that much anymore (laughs) because it's, it, it, it starts to get to the point where you can only take so much criticism about your personal life and so much outward, you know, opinions and stuff. And so now I just have a whole different philosophy, but it is frustrating because it's like, how do you build what you're trying to build if people aren't up in your shit all the time and you're not, you know, it's so hard to be in this and also to not be 
totally absorbed by it and, and writing every day. And that's where my struggle is. Cause now I just podcast <laughs> really. Cause I'm like, ah, I could do this and I don't have to tell everyone about every detail of my life, but that's what people want. Yeah. I don't know what's up. That's a great realization to be like, okay, I can't just podcast and it's fine. Like, yeah, maybe I can have a few extra readers if I vlogged every day, but like, it's fine. And it saves your right. sanity. It makes you feel happy with, you know, the way that your daily life is. And I think, like you said about sharing personal aspects of your life, I mean, I think what a lot of people don't realize or talk about that often is in order to share a lot of the personal details of your life, it requires documenting it. And I think for me, that's like, I don't, I I haven't, I'm not super sensitive about like sharing. I'm, I'm kind of an open book in terms of sharing my personal journey. Like I actually really enjoy writing and talking about those things, but what I don't enjoy is feeling like I need to be taking videos or taking photos of every single thing that's happening in our house. Um, Like not bring me joy. I want to be, I want to be present for it and I want to actually be living it, not just taking pictures of it. So, you know, I think for me with Instagram, especially that's a, that's a line that I've had to draw where I've, I've had to reach a place where even if we're doing something really cool or really fun or on a great trip or eating a great meal, just being able to say like, this would be a cool Instagram, but like, it's not worth me staging a photo shoot right now because it's more (laughs) actually enjoy it and be there for it. Yeah. So what are some of the transitions that you've gone through over the years? I know you had mentioned transitioning your team size, but what about personal transitions? Where, where are you different now than you were when you were 24 and launching your, your media company? Yeah, I think that, so when I was younger, I think that like so many other people, I kind of had this idea that like bigger was always better. And, um, as I started being able to hire a couple of people. So a couple of years into the business, I hired my first team member. And then about a year later, I was able to hire um, an art director and I grew my team very organically. But by 2000, um, let's see, probably on 2017, I had a team in a studio of seven, sometimes eight women, which was kind of everything I dreamed of. We had this beautiful studio downtown and um, I had writers who worked full time for me. And it was, don't get me wrong. Like it was some aspects of it were very cool. I felt like I'd kind of been able to build the magazine digitally that I had dreamed, you know, I dreamed of working in a magazine when I was younger. So um, that aspect was, was amazing. And also just being able to collaborate with with such cool creative people all the time really brought me a lot of joy. But what didn't bring me a a lot of joy was like all the overhead being the (laughs) boss of seven people every day. Um, you know, feeling like every day I was rushing to get to the office to pick up my kids from school, just kind of like rushing to get from point A to point B and never feeling like I had enough time to do anything. Um, I just felt like I was running behind to get everywhere because there was so much on my plate. So I made some conscious decisions that were truly just like, I want more freedom in my life. I don't want to have to be in an office every day. I don't want to be managing this many people. Like, and they didn't all come at once. It was over time, just kind of having these realizations, but not being afraid to say, 
I thought this was what I wanted and it turned out to not be everything that I wanted. And I think it takes a lot of courage to pivot and be able to say, yeah, I achieved this, but turns out it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. So that was a learning for me. I think it's, it's, it's a hard thing to admit, you know, when you've worked really hard to achieve something and then to say, um, I'm going to like switch directions. Yeah. I am the queen of pivot, queen (laughs) of pivot here. I mean, but you're right. So I started out as a lawyer and was a litigating attorney. And then I started my blog, Slim Bike Mom, got heavily involved in the sport of triathlon, did that for eight years, pivoted out of that, um, or pivoted out of my law job to do writing full time. And now I don't even do triathlon because I was like, it doesn't bring, bring me joy. I don't want to do it. And, but you know, my whole life online is called Swim Bike Mom. <laughs> and now it's too late to rebrand it. Like it's just, it's too catchy of a name, whatever. But yeah, I took like my audience, some of my audience got really ticked off. Like really, like they were abandoned, like in public forums online, they were like, she sold her soul to CrossFit and now she's lifting weights. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I can't, I, I was a weightlifter, like, hello, I was a weightlifter before a triathlete. Um, but it's just really interesting how there is this pressure to stay exactly who you are or who people think you are and, and where they want you to stay. And it wasn't until I experienced it myself with, with a big pivot that I thought, oh my gosh, this is not about anyone but me, but everyone thinks it's about them. And what do you do with that? And how do you, so I, I spend a lot of time explaining, like, don't be afraid to pivot. It's the best, you know, nothing worse than being stuck where you're not happy trying to convince people you are (laughs) like easier to convince them that you needed to pivot than to convince them you're happy somewhere that's not authentic. No, it's so true. And I mean, life's too short. I think that that's, I'm, you know, in my mid thirties now. And I think that a lot of these decisions that I've made have just been from this like continual realization that life is finite. You know, I think a lot of us had another realization of that just this year with COVID. I think realizing that, if there's things we want to do, like, let's try to start doing them now because when you wait around, there's just too many unknowns and, um, life is just too short. So like you said, be doing something that doesn't actually bring you joy just because other people have these expectations. And I think that's really where, like, again, my morning practice and my time that I spend journaling, it becomes so important because it's easy to convince yourself that you're on the right path just because you're having quote unquote success with it. And right, audience, and so you're like, this must be what I'm meant to be doing. But I think that when you allow yourself to kind of take a step back and do a little soul searching and ask yourself some of those hard questions, you might have a total other realization that it's not what you're meant to be doing because you don't really feel fulfilled and you don't have energy to do that to do that thing. And so, just continually learning to listen to my inner wisdom has been so key for all of these life transitions. And, um, about a year ago, I realized that didn't want to be going to an office every day and that I wanted to have a little bit more freedom in how I structured my days. I wanted to have some days where I could be with my kids more or some days where I could spend time alone writing more and not have to feel like I was letting my team down by not being there or, you know, spending a lot of money on a space that wasn't being used. And some of those external pressures that kept me going to the office at 8am every single morning, no matter what, 
Um, you know, I wanted to be free of kind of that constraint. So decided to give up our studio, try a remote work schedule, which funny enough happened like three months before the pandemic started. So obviously now I'm really thankful that I'm not <laughs> staying here. Right. But, um, but yeah, I think that again, to it had always been this dream of mine to have this studio where we could do photo shoots and video shoots and I could have these big meetings. It did it and it was great for a time, but realized that you know, I didn't need to necessarily have that external measure of success um, for me to feel like I was a success inside. I know. I have this fantasy. <laughs> I want an office, like a real, like brick and mortar. I have no business and no reason to have an office, but I like, I'll drive by downtown and I'm like, oh, I could have that office. <laughs> and there was this little tiny like building um, that was for rent. And I'm looking up, how much is this building that's for rent? I mean, ridiculous. I have no business no business whatsoever, um, <laughs> renting an office and especially not now, but well, so you said meditation, you said journaling, what is something else that you do in your 24 hours that sets you up for your greatest health, happiness, and success? Let's see. So, I mean, I do always have some, so, some sort of physical activity, um, which again, I think that's changed too. When I think about a few years ago, I was like, up at 6am going to soul cycle all the time. I mean, it was very, my, my workout schedule was very regimented mm -hmm. and it was the same every week and I never missed. And I think that, um, I either I've gotten lazier or I'm just like <laughs> letting myself more slack, but I still feel really good. I think my, I, I, you know, decided that I wanted to try out kind of a gentler sort of form of exercise. Um, a year or two ago, really kind of as a self-experiment, I was doing a lot of like high intensity workouts and, um, I was like, I wonder what would happen if I just like did <laughs> the did world would explode. <laughs> exactly. And like, am I, am I going to just like, are my muscles going to atrophy? What will happen? And, um, nothing really happened. <laughs> <laughs> nothing happened when I quit triathlon either. It was actually, I lost weight. <laughs> it's kind of this freeing thing. And, and I think what it does though, that's really great is it makes you realize like that you do want to work out and you do want to right. have a regular physical activity because it brings, it makes you energetic. It makes you feel a lot better. It makes you happier. Like all of these other reasons that aren't just about either how you look or like having endurance. You know, I was like, I, ha I think I have this deep seated fear that if I quit doing spin classes all the time, I was going to lose all my endurance. And I didn't. I mean, I'm sure that I couldn't, I may, may not be able to knock out as high intensity of a spin class right now if I wanted to, but like, who, you know, it doesn't really matter. I'm doing other things. I'm walking, I'm doing a lot of like, you know, video are very kind of on class. I'm listening to my body and responding to the type of workout that it wants to do that day. Um, and it just, it feels less burdensome and just freeing, but I still feel um, like I'm getting the same energy and food lifting benefits of exercise that have become so important to me. 
Awesome. Well, Camille, thank my kids apparently have their lunch break now and they are streaming. So I'm going to, and I forgot to pause their internet. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you goodbye because it's about to go to hell in a handbasket, our internet service. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my bad. with you. But thank you so much for joining us. And so everyone can find you at CamilleStyles.com and same Instagram, same everything. That's right. And if you want to sign up for my email, which is my absolute favorite place that I write, it's CamilleStyles.com backslash subscribe. Very good. Well, have a great rest of your week and thank you again. Thanks, Meredith. Talk soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.